This is a download from BFM 89.9, the business station. Well, I was uh, impressed by the result at halftime. I thought that we could have played better. We, I, I felt us not sharp like we can play sharp. I felt that we still digest a little bit the long week in between the games because we gave a lot of load because we have players who came in late and they continue to do the, the, the pre-season work during this week. That's from time to time a bit with heavy legs uh, and a bit sloppy in passing. Uh, but we overcome the, overcame the difficult moments with quality and with luck and uh, second half we got better and better and could control the match and uh, create some other chances. So perfect result and, and um, still room to improve. Off the ball kicks off now on BFM 89.9. Thomas Tuchel speaking after Chelsea made light work of Arsenal on Sunday evening. Welcome to Off the Ball with me, Ross. It's our second Monday show of the brand new season. Love it, love it, love it. Hey, thanks for joining us. Also follow us on social media. It's BFM Football on Instagram and on Facebook. Joining me this evening to talk football, we've got Cam Raslan. Hello, Cam. Hello, Ross. Hello. You excited? I can tell. I can tell. (laughs) Nicholas Arnold is also here. Hello, Nick. Hi, Ross. How are you? I'm good. I'm good. And you must be because Leeds got their first point of the season. Uh, Yeah. And top of the table to you, Mr. Craig Wilkie. Hi. Thank you very much. That's very good of you to say. I can still see you from somewhere down there. (laughs) Oh, it started already in game two. Uh, All right, then. Let's get on with uh, week two of the brand new season. Weekend two. uh, Arsenal nil. Chelsea two was the big Sunday game. Romelu Lukaku returned to make his second Chelsea debut 10 years after he made his first. And... um, he was pretty much unplayable, wasn't he, Karen? Oh, he he was he was excellent. Um, should we be surprised? No, he's been excellent for a very long time. Uh, he scored his uh, his goal from like three inches out. I think I've seen him miss those before, um, or I'm mixing him up with Torres or Benteke or someone like that. But uh, <clears throat> no, Chelsea are going to be um, they're going to win. They're fantastic. What for me was interesting was how awful Arsenal were. A uh, real bunch of lightweights. Uh, it was like a team entirely made up of Juan Antonio Reyes, who was a good player, but but you know you know <laughs> you want a bit of a spine in there. And this is Arteta's team, but uh, he um, they are not capable of anything. I don't think you could even put a new manager in and expect anything else. It's like all the the cliches of Arsenal pushed to the, like the nth degree. Absolute lightweights. They they are so unconvincing and. Yeah, there's nothing wrong in losing to Chelsea, but they had a few flashes, but they're going to struggle against everybody. The the only highlight I can think from an Arsenal point of view was Bernd Leno saving from Lukaku to deny him a second goal. Um, I mean, Nick, Cam's got a massive point there. Uh, really well illustrated by the second Chelsea goal. When the ball was knocked out to Reese James, he literally, he could have started a, a, an estate agent. He could have built condos on the land that he had. He had so much acreage. He also could have picked out exactly where he wanted to thump the ball. And, and he did very well. Yeah. And, and that was not the first time that he was afforded acres of space. You know, it was at least on, on two or three other occasions that he was given so much of space. Um, you, you look you look at the, the defense on the left, Kiratini. 
uh, and Saka. Saka was completely, uh, for me, a player which, which did not show up. You know, he failed to track back. Uh, Tini went up and, you know, uh, did not do his defensive duties well. You know, but these are just one component um, uh, that, you know, highlighted Arsenal's uh, deficiencies uh, yesterday. You know, they totally failed to deal with Chelsea. They were bullied absolutely by, by Lukaku, as, as Cam mentioned. You know, and and it could have been more. It could have been three. It could have been four. You know, uh, uh, Lukaku could have had a field day. You know, if, if not for that save from Burn Leno, you know, he would have easily got himself a brace. Um, so this was an Arsenal team that was bullied out of the park. Uh, I look at the first half. Uh, you know, it was it was atrocious. They improved slightly in the second half, but it, on on the back of ninety minutes, this Arsenal side will not have the quality or the capability to challenge any of the top four or, or even the top six sides. And, and, and they've shown it, you know, they were bullied by Brentford and they were bullied single-handedly by Lukaku. You know, uh, they are their only chance of picking up points uh, by the looks of, of it for the last two games is against the lower league teams, you know, perhaps uh, against your, your Brentford, uh, sorry, against your, your Norwiches or, or your Watfords. But, you know, if, if you start measuring up against big teams like, like Chelsea, they don't stand a chance. Yeah, I mean, Chelsea were very good. Their strength in depth was frightening. They had Kante, Timo Werner on the bench, Thiago Silva. But, but back to Arsenal a little bit. We, we, hear, we hear people, Craig, say, you've got to give the manager a chance. Arteta has a plan. Can you actually see the Arteta plan? I mean, it's, it's a terrible... No, no Arsenal side has ever opened up a league campaign with two defeats and no goals scored. It's getting harder to see the plan, I think, unfortunately. Uh, watching that game last night, the gulf between those two sides and those two squads has just become immense. I mean, it's as big as Lukaku. That's the, that's the size of the gulf <laughs> between them. And Chelsea, you know, in that first half, they, they targeted Arsenal in those areas. And, you know, I'm a big fan of Kieran Tierney, but one thing that he tries to do is maybe a little bit too much all by himself. But he, he had no help from Saka at all. That, that's true. And he, yeah. he, he was left completely exposed. And, and the, you know how Tierney plays. He likes to bomb forward. So you've got to offer him some cover, offer him some protection. Some of that has to come from Saka. Some of that has to come from the defensive central midfield players who are going to know that my fullback is out of position. That's the area of the park that I'm going to have to get back in and, and fill in. But... Again, you know, we go back to what, what Cam said at the start and the, the issues that we've talked about with Arsenal over such a long period of time now is where are the characters in that dressing room? Yeah. Where are the leaders who are going to show up on the field? And to be fair, as Nick said, I mean, at, at halftime, you were going in thinking this could end up five or six. That's how comfortable it was for Chelsea in that first half. Now, to be fair, they did tighten up a little bit. They did get a little bit more pressure on the ball. Even Aubameyang coming on, although he didn't have a great game, it just lifted them, I think. The fact that, you know, one of your bigger players was, was back out there on the park. But again, the, the strange thing about you, you talk about Arteta and the project, he spent a bit of money. It's not as if he hasn't been backed in the transfer market. You know, he's just brought in Ramsdale now again in the, in the goalkeeping position. Is that really where you need to spend that money? Mm -hmm. I don't know. But again, if you can only go so long without results, with playing a certain way and players that you bring in, maybe they don't perform as well as you would like. And Arteta knows he's under pressure. He came into the season under pressure. He's under much bigger pressure now after two games. And I don't think this will be allowed to go until Christmas, let's say, if, if things don't improve markedly at Arsenal. Well, I tell you what, it's Man City next weekend. So we could be, <laughs> we could be saying different things next Monday. Um, um, did you notice Bert Leno wore the Arsenal away top? Uh, uh, you know, uh, 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 like the team wear instead of a goalkeeper top. 
just little things I like to pick up. Every team has about six kits these days. Yeah, I know, I know. (laughs) But it's strange that he 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 just decided, no, I'm not going to wear any goalkeeper top. Just going to wear the away top, the away kit. (laughs) Anyway, let's move on. Talk about Liverpool, who surged to the top of the table, albeit just after two games. It was a very convincing 2-0 win over Burnley. This is Liverpool of old now, Cam, we're seeing. This is title-winning Liverpool back. Yeah, uh, with the the same uh, strength and depth, or rather lack of, this is the the top 11, and they're fantastic. Uh, Watching the matches this weekend, and this one in particular, I I ended up thinking about beats per minute. It's like... (laughs) <laughs> uh, you know, but when a, when a team are all together, they don't necessarily have a tactical plan, but they're all capable of playing to the same beats per minute. And their beats per minute are going to be faster than yours, and that's what's going to kill you. And and they're, they're there. Um, if they have the strength in depth, then this could be a successful season. I'm not sure what success would be when you've got such a strong Chelsea and Manchester City. Can they beat those? I don't know, but... Really, a uh, wonderful display against um, well Burnley. Well, I you say ah Burnley, but they, they've been they, they're a Premier League side. You can't deny it. Sean Dyche has does, done amazing work. But Nick, I, I look at this Burnley side. I look at that two 0 loss to Liverpool, and I'm trying to find a big plus. And the only thing I can come up with is I thought Dwight McNeil on that left hand side. Look quite useful. He looks like he's willing to run at people this season, which, but then you look at this Burnley side, it's all the same faces and you know they haven't got money to bring people in and it's, it's all quite sad, really. Yeah, um, you know, but, but what, what you see is what you get from Burnley. You know, they are always a side that will go out and, and look to impose themselves and look to use their physical strength. Um, you're right. You look at the, the squad that has been put against Liverpool and there's not much changes. You know, uh, It's Chris Wood who's there and Ashley Barnes who's there. Uh, but you know what to expect from this, uh, this, this, this sort of players. You know, If you stifle the supply line to them, they're not going to get any service. And when they don't get any service, that's it. You know, you, they're hardly going to pose a threat. And that's what I think Klopp did so successfully. You know, Just cut off the supply line to the top two strikers um, and, and Burnley were just you know left stumped uh, they were wide of creativity you look at that the midfield only like you mentioned only Dwight McNeil you know, the, the rest are all very average players but having said that you know this Burnley side will give a good account of themselves against you know um, teams uh, you know uh, that are uh, equal uh, at strength uh, you know uh, with them so um, tough loss but uh, I expect Burnley to bounce back in the coming matches Jadon Shakiri is on his way out of Liverpool he's joining Leon, but Liverpool won't be looking to bring in a new player because according to Jurgen Klopp, he's quite happy to bring through Harvey Elliott. He had a very impressive debut, Harvey. Not not just Elliott. I thought uh, Simikas on that left-hand side. What a battler. You must be very happy, Craig Wilkie. Those were the two standout players for me, actually, down that side. Uh, Simikas come in and done a really good job because we know the standards that Robertson has set in that position. And it'll be interesting. I don't think anybody expected Robertson to be back as quickly and taking his place on the bench. So now it's an interesting dilemma that Klopp will have looking ahead to the Chelsea game. And we do look ahead to the Chelsea game because I've seen in the reaction to that Burnley victory, a lot of Liverpool fans getting quite excited. You know, two wins, two clean sheets, Van Dyke back, all of that. 
I'm just going to wait and see how things go next weekend, I think, before I get... <laughs> Chelsea's weekend. Because, chan, chan, chan. because it, it was a good performance, but I don't think it was a great performance. Um, Elliot definitely excelled. You know, he's got that little bit of... You know, he's got a change of pace about him. He's willing to take people on. He's willing to take a risk. That's what I like. Every time he gets the ball, his, his first instinct is to try and play uh, a defence-footing pass or try and bring someone into the play. He doesn't just look to, you know knocking about with his fullbacks or, or something like that. So that's, that's very encouraging. And it's, it's great to see a young player like that given an opportunity. What was interesting to me also was after the game, we had a bit of a war of words through the press with the managers of this new refereeing approach, let's say, of, of let the game flow. Let's say I fair, shall we say. <laughs> yeah, which, which I absolutely love. I've got to be honest. I, yeah. I think the, the first two weekends have been, have been wonderful. That, and the game had, you only realise now how much the game had lost that. Yeah. How it started to become almost a non-contact sport. And on this occasion, I disagree with Klopp because he came out a little bit upset and said, you know, my players, they took some, you know, pretty heavy challenges. If you want to see that, you should go and watch the wrestling was his point of view. But I, I, I thought it was great. And of course, Sean Dyche, you got to love him. He came out and said, well, we were told in the build up to the game, there'd be no soft fouls given. And there was too many soft fouls still given for my liking. <laughs> <laughs> Sean Dash, don't ever change. Still, no, don't ever. Yeah. yeah. The, so the, so I, I was happy to see the return of some kind of blood and thunder football and, and it's been very refreshing. And, and Liverpool can deal with it. You know, they've got enough physicality in that team. They've got enough big players. So I don't think Klopp needs to complain too much about all of that. No, it's, it's a great start to the red half of Merseyside. Blue half must be quite happy too. We'll talk about them later. Champions Man City. Normal service is resumed. Man City 5, Norwich City nil. Jack Grealish even got himself a jammy goal on his home debut cameras line. But you'd expect that City to beat Norwich 5-0. Yeah, I think, um, I think somebody said that last week on this show, was it? Uh, <laughs> I mean, somebody must have got that one right. Uh, yeah, Jack Grealish scored uh, what will end up being, I'm sure, the goal of the season. Um, <laughs> I don't know. It's like I, I could. I mean, any, any of us could score that goal if we just stick us in the right spot. But uh, great, and he looked so happy afterwards. Um, which was really great to see. No, uh, City, fantastic. I couldn't help comparing them in a way to Arsenal because they're sort of physically the same kind of uh, players. Uh, Mares is not an ogre of a man or anything, and, and Sterling. But uh, again, I feel like that beat beat for a minute thing. They're they're all on the same page. They know what's expected of them. When when Grealish tapped in that goal, I think there were three City players sliding in at that very moment for the cross. Uh, the the movement forward is exceptional, and they're gonna they're getting it together. I, I I've I've put down Chelsea to win everything, but this City, ooh, it's it's gonna be exciting. Well, the caveat I think is. If Harry Kane does join City, then okay, it's not quite clear Chelsea will win the title just yet. But yeah, they were impressive. Gabriel Jesus um, with a with a hat trick of assists. But Norwich, Nick, you gotta you gotta fear for them. Minus eight goal difference after two matches. They didn't force a single save from Aderson. Um, are they going to be the same Norwich as the one that went down last time? I, I look at that, that the Norwich, which got promoted, um, you know, their first season back, I think it was it was uh, two seasons back, uh, and they did really well, uh, simply because they started really well. You know, they were playing an expansive band, brand of football, they took risks, they were daring. And of course, Timo Pukki was, you know, out of this world, you know. 
I think they've lost that sort of uh, threat uh, up front. You know, you look you look at the two main men uh, of Norwich, Todd Canwell and and Timo Pukki, and these two guys have not shown up. Um, and you know, if you are relying on you know certain individuals to to win matches, and you know they they simply performing below par, then a team like Norwich, you know, which has now returned back to the Premier League, uh, you know, facing up to all these other teams that have reinforced their squad to a certain extent, you're going to face a lot of problems. You know, I I, I look at the City game and it's 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 the most straightforward win uh, Man City will ever get. Uh, but you know, moving forward for Norwich, you know, other teams are going to be looking at them and seeing how easy it was, you know, for City to penetrate. You know, every time um, Jesus had the ball on the right, you know, you knew that there was a goal coming. You know, and and the defense was all over the place. You know, they were not organized. There was no communication, um, and you know, other teams are going to be looking at them and you know, uh, seeing Norwich as a as a sure three pointer. So uh, it, it it it's really a uh, you know uphill task for them, despite it only being two games in for Norwich. They're already looking like favorites to go down. Yeah, worrying already for the Canaries. Gabriel Jesus will, will hope to, to be more of a regular starter for Pep this season. He has made an astonishing 54 Premier League substitute appearances alongside his 78 starts since his £27 million move in 2016. There you go. I statted you out as we head into our first break. Astonishing! Ball on BFM 89.9. Barely a player in the land playing sharper football than this guy right now. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we're back with Craig Wilkie, Nicholas Arnil and Cam Raslan on this lovely Monday evening. Uh, looking back at the second weekend of Premier League action, Southampton won, Man United won, um, Mason Greenwood saving a point for United with an equaliser. This was a, a classic example, Craig Wilkie, of, of why Manchester United were and probably still are after a number nine in, in their setup because they so obviously miss a striker, don't they? You mean you weren't convinced by Martial's performance? Well, you know, only one team in Manchester can get away with constantly playing false nines, right? And they don't wear red. True. Although the surprise to me was why he was playing at all. Why, why the need to tinker and change with a side that just went out and beat Leeds 5-1? That, that was the mystifying part to me. If you wanted to make a change, then bring Sancho in. And, and it really disrupted Manchester United's style of play because everything that was so good against Leeds and especially the Pogba-Fernandez access, got a little bit shunted as a consequence of that because Fernandez was playing centrally last week behind yeah. Greenwood, and he was running off him, he was running behind him, creating so much space getting into the box. This time, he found himself playing out wide on the right behind Greenwood, who was kind of supporting Martial himself, and, and it was just a, a bizarre way to, to go about it, having been so convincing last week. And you know, last week on the show, I said to you, there's a lot to be excited about, Ross, as a Manchester United fan. And I still believe that. But this was maybe a bit of a reminder that some of the bad habits that have plagued Manchester United last season, the season before, came back, didn't they? I mean, it was a yeah. slow start, yeah. went behind, behind at halftime. And then probably the biggest disappointment was having equalised, and still a long time to go in the game at that point, a slightly scruffy goal as an equaliser. 
I don't feel as though Manchester United put Southampton under a lot of pressure after that. There was a few balls into the box, but it wasn't exactly the Saints hanging on. How many saves, how many big saves did McCarthy have to make in the goal mm. after that point? Mm. Not, not too many. And, and, and I'll say one final thing about Manchester United. When I watch the games across the whole weekend, you look at how important attacking fullbacks are in the modern game. You look at what Walker did for City. You look at what um, Alexander-Arnold did for Liverpool. Juan Bissaka, he's a fantastic defender, very difficult to go past and very difficult to get around. I don't think he offers you enough going forward. And that, yeah. That's an area of, of concern for Manchester United. Shaw does it on the left-hand side, but then it becomes very left-hand side dominant. Juan Bissaka, there's still some limitations going forward there for me. All right. For Southampton, it's a, it's a welcome point. Well, actually, United keep their unbeaten run going. They now equal Arsenal's 27 unbeaten away from home. Um, but really, it's two points lost. For Southampton, I, I thought the bright points, um, Adam Armstrong looked all right. Uh, the 18-year-old kid, Tino Livramento, he was tireless. He just kept running up and down. Um, do, do you think Southampton should, should worry, Cam? I mean, have you seen enough from them to think Hassan Huttle in, in that rather snazzy, like, uh, do you see his, uh, his waistcoat and then the, the collarless shirt? I thought, you know, a bit of style, Austrian style. <laughs> uh, yeah, well, unsnazzy was the uh, Manchester United away kit. That's just, I don't know what that is. Uh, the, uh, yeah, I think it was you actually, Ross, last week. You kind of hinted in a rather mocking way. I think you sensed that, that uh, Southampton's got a 7-0 against them at some point. Nine, I said, I said nine. A nine, and you were kind of like gloatingly thinking it was going to be this match. Uh, and it really wasn't. Uh, I, no, I think most people have got down uh, Southampton. I wasn't thinking real. about this match. I was thinking about when Lukaku comes calling. Okay, okay. <laughs> but I, I, I think a lot of people have got uh, Southampton down as really struggling uh, this season. And, you know, I mean, they, uh, they got some... There. But, but the, the good news, I think, for United was that it looked like uh, Pogba was still into playing football uh, for Manchester United. That was quite nice to see. But it, it feels to me like a, a group of individual players who are very good, who have been sent out there to say, go do your thing and win a football match. Uh, this was, yeah, this was the worst of um, United of last season. And because uh, Southampton are, are in such trouble already, they probably thought they could play around with this one. Perhaps the, the changes they thought they could do on this one. But this United, I... If they play like this, oh, God, it's going to be an awful season for them. Shows you the importance of 34-year-old Edinson Cavani to this Manchester United side. Because they, I mean, and, and Fred costs £52 million. Pounds. I, I, I still, till this day, I have not got my head around that. <laughs> Let's move on. Talk about, I thought, the most entertaining game of the weekend. Leeds United to Everton. Two Leeds had to twice... Come back from behind, Rafinha. It was weird, Nick. Rafinha started with shots really wide of goal. It was like almost corner flags. And then he slowly got better with his shots, didn't he? With his attempts until he hit a sublime equaliser. But 2-2, first point of the season. You happy? Yeah. Um, and I think, uh, you know, fans, neutral fans watching, uh, you know, all, all around the world, um, they, they will also agree that Leeds will give you the best value of entertainment you know they've shown that last season you know and on, on the back of this game again you know it, it was a thrilling match uh well there's a point for both teams um i thought leeds did really well they they tried to fix the frailties uh, of, of the trashing against uh, man united 
uh, and they plugged the holes to a certain extent, helped significantly by the return of Calvin Phillips, even though he was not fully match fit. You know, he's still he's still uh, trying to assimilate himself back into uh, the intensity that you know uh, Marcelo Bielsa demands from his team. Uh, but he was good character. They showed really immense character to come back. Uh, you know, uh, twice. Uh, to get that well-deserved uh, point, and you know this this match, it, it could have uh, uh, both teams could have won it at the end. You know, uh, there, there were chances uh, right till the death. Uh, as you can see, uh, Patrick Bamford, you know, uh, on on his backside uh, receiving the ball in the penalty box, uh, just trying to slide that that ball in. It just just shows the intensity uh, that both sides try to put out. So uh, well-deserved point. I think uh, this the only way uh, for for Leeds is 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 forward. 36,293 really noisy punters at Ellen Road this weekend. The noisiest crowd of the weekend by far for me. Um, Everton maybe will feel a little aggrieved that they didn't win this great Wilkie. I, I thought Damara Gray looks a great signing. He was terrorizing down that left-hand side. He looks a useful player. They've got not a bad side, Everton. They do have a decent side and they've had a decent side for a number of seasons now. It's just a question of can they put a run together consistently that's really going to get them back up there into the, you know, dare we say, the, the kind of territory that Moyes had them in uh, quite a few seasons ago now. And I agree with you, this was the game of the weekend for me. It, it looked good on paper and it, it delivered on the pitch as well. And two sides that Leeds, of course, we expected. We know how they play under Bielsa. We know they're going to get forward at every opportunity. We didn't know exactly how Everton were going to play under Benitez. And I've been a little bit surprised by how progressive they've been, let's say. I thought he would come in and maybe, you know, tighten things up a little bit defensively, make sure they get men behind the ball, look to, look to frustrate teams first before they go and play themselves. But so far in the opening two games, albeit in games that they might have felt that they have a decent chance in, they've, they've taken the game to the opposition. And when you've got the likes of Calvert-Lewin up front, you, you've got to do that in a way, yeah. you know, you've, you've got to give him those, those opportunities. And he looks so sharp. And I almost wonder if he was a bit underutilized in the Euros, to be honest. I mean, yes. I know he wouldn't be a starter ahead of, ahead of Kane, but, but a really good option to have brought off the bench, maybe more than, than happened. And Dukuri is another one that, that warrants a mention because yeah. he's been a player that we, we know, we know the qualities that he has. He's, he's got a little bit of everything as a midfielder. You know, he's got that box to box, range about him he's got an ability to bring others into the game and when he gets into attacking areas we know that he can create and he can score goals himself and he's really been at the heart of a lot of Everton's best play but Rafa will be looking at it two weeks in a row defensive mistakes have proved costly you know Keane had another one yeah uh, against Bam against Bamford and that that's such a frustration for a manager because you can set your team up you you know you've you've built a tactical system and players go out and make really basic defensive errors and you cannot afford to do it at that level you know a team like Leeds will punish you for it and that's what happened and so I think a point was a fair result for both sides but Everton will be a little bit disappointed from the fact that they made some mistakes which gifted Leeds away back into the game. Uh, Leeds United or Everton to finish higher for you Cam? Oh yeah good question um, I think Everton uh, I think I don't know how Nicholas Anil is able to uh, survive as a Leeds fan having to go through matches like that time and time again <laughs> and uh it, i but everton i benitez is fame notorious as being this defensive minded um manager but actually when i think back at the benitez liverpool that my memories are actually of a sweeping attacking yeah. football yeah uh so 
uh, and I don't really, I don't, the defensive aspect was just a, just a given. Uh, you know, you've got to have a good defense. So uh, I think uh, Everton could have a really uh, good season. I, I hope that uh, Leeds can string together at least the next five matches good because if they don't, I, I said it last week, and I, I think that um, Bielsa will just, as an honorable man, walk away. Mm. All right. Brilliant stuff. Uh, good good point for Leeds to start off with. Uh, I think all Leeds United fans have very strong hearts, Cam, in answer to your question. <laughs> uh, off we go to our second break. Uh, back after this. It's glorious! Sensational hit! Sensational climax to a sensational game! Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Well, in terms of... The purity of the strike, its its direction, the power, it's its all perfection. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. Hey, thanks for sticking around. It's our second Monday show of the brand new season. Cam Russell and Craig Wilkie and Nicholas Anil joining me. Of course, uh, don't forget to keep up with your fantasy football teams throughout the season. This season, we've got prizes. The BFM League is brought to you by my-soccer.com and throughout the season, we've got fantasy football tips provided uh, to us by our friends at the Banger Committee. Many thanks. All right, let's go on, get on with the uh, weekend's football. Brighton are right up there at the top um, with the big boys after two matches, six points. Brighton 2, Watford nil. Brighton comfortably beat newly promoted Watford. Uh, it's their best ever start, Cam Raslan, to a uh, 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 Premier League season. And I know you, being a lifelong Brighton fan, quite interested <laughs> in this. <laughs> <laughs> yes, as a lifelong Brighton fan. Uh, well, actually, Ross, you went to school much closer to Brighton than me. And, yes, uh, I did. Yeah, I... Um, yeah, they're very good. They're very good. And um, uh, but I have to say, actually, uh, Watford's got some good players, and I would, which I'm very surprised by. Traore is a, he's a, he's very good. Uh, but the um, uh, best ever what two games? Do we st- are we talking best ever's already after two? No, best ever start to a Premier League campaign. They've never won two games at the start of a campaign before. Oh, okay. Uh, they've all got nosebleeds now. It's like all tissues all around the Brighton squad. There, they're all like yeah, yeah, but. <laughs> A question I question I would ask is um, if um, if Arteta was to to be kicked out of Arsenal, would Potter be a good replacement? Yeah, um, that, that's actually. I, I, I'm not really sure. Well, that's not that's a fair question. I think Graham Potter is slowly making a, a very good reputation for himself. You can see the progress, Craig, that that Brian have been making. The strides, and I mean, New Pay is even starting to look like a real striker after last season. You know? Yeah. So, in answer to Cam's question first, yes, he would. I think Graham Potter is ready to manage at that level. He's already shown that, and we'll see the case of work that he builds over the course of this season. But what we have to remember about Brighton is that actually last season, although they didn't necessarily have a lot of points to show for it, they played some really good football. And at times, they, they were dominating games. They let themselves down a little bit with individual errors, just a bit like what we're speaking about with Everton. But they, they should have won more points than they did last season. They shouldn't have been anywhere near the relegation equation. And I'm sure that Potter will have been saying to those players over the summer, 
he'll have probably been showing them videos. Look how many of those games you were ahead in. Look how many of those games you had a really good opportunity to win or take something from. Yeah. And if you can just convert that last 5%, you can cut out some of those individual errors. You can be a little bit more clinical in the final third. And so far, they've managed that this season. And I, I look at that midfield. You know, Gross, Basuma, Trossar, Lalana. There's some very talented footballers in that, in that side as well. And we know that Potter likes to play that way. He likes to build from the back. He likes to go through midfield. So they're a very good team to watch as well. And they'll be looking up the league. I mean, okay, two wins so far. I don't think they're going to end up qualifying for the Champions League. I don't think they'll even qualify for Europe at all. But they could definitely finish in the top half of the table. And that would be a very, very fine achievement. Yeah, I, I think a, a season without any relegation worries would be a massive plus for, for this Brighton side under Graham Potter. They still have um, uh, Tarek Lamptey and Danny Welbeck to come back into the side. So a bit of depth there. Um, for Watford, they were disappointing. They didn't really test Robert Sanchez. I think Tom Cleverley was the only one who had a shot there. And it was disappointing because they were really good against Villa last season. But Watford, it could be one of those up and down every week as we go along. Uh, not so for Nuno Espirito Santo at Tottenham. Uh, Nuno won the Nuno derby, Nicholas Arnil, this weekend. He went back to Molyneux, uh, did a Wolves on Wolves with Spurs. Uh, Della Ali with, uh, with, let's face it, that one was a soft penalty. <laughs> for me, it was anyway. Uh, but... Dispatched, Harry Kane made a return from the bench. All is going well in the white half of North London that nobody saw. Yeah, um, he's just gone about his business uh, ever since uh, being appointed now, hasn't he? Uh, you know, all that, all that talk surrounding Harry Kane, you know, uh, has, has got to, to influence uh, a squad to a certain extent. But, you know, I really admire his, his character to just get the team, you know, up and running. You know, they had a mammoth first game against... Man City, which they navigated so well and got the three points, you know, and, and coming to a team, coming up against a team that's so familiar with, you know, uh, a team that is in transition at this point, you know, a team that possesses a lot of his own players, you know, uh, it, it needed another big performance, you know, and yet he has got them ticking again. Uh, Delhi Ali, for me, is going to be one of the pivotal figures uh, for Nuno Espirito this season. You know, he was used sparingly uh, by uh, Jose Mourinho last year, but we saw how crucial he is to that to that uh, midfield you know uh, in in creating those chances and you know just just adding a little bit of that that quality and now that he's injury free you know and he's, he's and he's got that freedom to to really do what he wants i think you know he's going to be such an integral part of uh, this uh, spurs squad um, uh, having said that you know uh, as soon as they took the lead wolves did did well as well to, to try and force their, their way back but um, um, it really, um, Spurs held out for, for another big win. And we saw Harry Kane come on. You know, he had a chance at the end. It was safe. Um, I, I don't know what, what quite to make out of that, that whole, uh, you know, um, um, emotions at the end where he went and, you know, uh, saluted the fans and gave his manager a hug. I still think that he's going to be on his way out. But Nuno Espiroso, Espirito Santo has already immersed himself in this in this first side. And, you know, uh, I think he's only going to get them uh, rocking on from... From, from now on. Yeah, all, all this Harry Kane talk has really overshadowed the good work that Nuno has done since replacing Jose Mourinho. And, you know, that was that was quite a job. Um, 
But yeah, I, I thought Spurs, the, the nicest away kit, hands down. Hard not to like Spurs when you see them playing away from home in that kit. I, I thought it was really, really nice. But there you go, that's just me. Uh, Aston Villa 2, Newcastle 0. Um, the villains get underway. Uh, many expected them to win at Watford last weekend. I thought they looked really good, Cam, uh, Aston Villa. Uh, Sons, Jack Grealish, of course. But... Um, They've, they've spent well, they bought well, and, and they could have a good season. Yeah, I, I, I've, uh, I, tend, I, mean, I put them down as doing uh, a top six, actually, for this, uh, for this season. It's like when a team loses, say, Ronaldo. You, you don't have to now channel everything through Ronaldo. Not everything has to come through Ronaldo. They, they can stand up on their own two legs. And I, and I think that they've got a, a good manager. Uh, and uh, a good squad, and yeah, I, I, I was very impressed by them. Uh, uh, poor old Newcastle, as a lifelong fan of both Aston Villa and Newcastle. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, uh, yeah, this is oh, they, you know, Newcastle. They, oh, this was oh, I, I, I don't know what to say. I'm, I'm so disappointed. It's going to be pains you to say it to be Steve Bruce. I'd hate yeah. to be Steve Bruce. They, they just haven't got any substance. <laughs> I mean, that there's no... Uh, but for, for Villa, Danny Ings, if, if you're looking for someone to, to make fans forget about Jack Grealish, Danny Ings could be your man, Craig Wilkie. Two in two now. Yeah, what a way to start. And imagine your home debut with the fans back and you... And you that goal like as that. well, yeah. Uh, yeah. What a phenomenal finish. He had far too much room in the box. Yeah. Let's be honest about that. But the, it's... a. Uh, it's a well-flighted cross in and the, you know, the, there's a lot goes into that goal, the athleticism, the awareness, and then the way he catches it, the goalkeeper's got absolutely no chance. And I agree with what you said, you know, Villa have spent well, they've taken the Grealish money and they've reinvested it and they've, they've done it smartly in areas of the side that, that needed it. And you know, the surprise was last week that they came out a little bit sloppy, you know, yeah. and that, that's even last season, they were a bit up and down. There was inconsistencies there. So that's going to be the real challenge for them is can they, can they put those performances together three, four or five weeks in a row and really start to build something? But there's a, there's a lot to be encouraged about. And I, I like the energy of that Villa side. You know, Minx, when he gets into the, the opposition mm. box, he causes all sorts of havoc up there. Mm. You know, he's, he's strong in the air and he can, he can just unsettle defenders. And, and they can do that. That's one good thing about Villa is they can play different ways. You know, they can go long if they have to. They'll put throw-ins into the box. But they can also play through midfield, the likes of John McGinn, if if they choose to do it that way. So there's, there's quite a lot of flexibility about them. Um, but yeah, Newcastle, I'm afraid they made it a little bit too easy overall. Um, I suspect we'll find that there are three sides worse than Newcastle in the Premier League and so they'll be safe, but it could be a long, hard season again. Yeah, and the saddest picture for Newcastle this weekend in that game was Callum Wilson holding the ball on the penalty spot, thinking he's about to take a spot kick and then VAR going, nah, you're offside. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't mean to laugh. I'm sorry. I'm sorry. Sorry, Newcastle fans. All right, let's move on. Crystal Palace nil. Brentford nil was the only other game of the weekend. Patrick Vieira says that goalless draw has given him hope for the rest of the season. The bar is pretty low at Selhurst Park at the moment. We're off for another break. We'll tell you what football you've got to look forward to this midweek then. Next. Okay, tight it is. The first touch has got to be absolutely perfect. And it is. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. 
absolutely magnificent. Well, that is a thing of beauty from a man right on top of his game. Off the ball on BFM 89.9. And we are back. Um, Cam, Craig and Nick joining me. Of course, one more Premier League match um, going on this weekend. And it's uh, two teams with, uh, oh no, I, yeah, two teams with a 100% record. Yes, because Leicester won as well. So West Ham take on Leicester Tuesday, 3 a.m. Um, I, West Ham under David Moyes is good fun to watch this season, Nicholas. I, I'm saying that and, and I'm obviously guffawing on the inside and you can hear it. Yeah. Um, that, that, that game last week against um, Newcastle, um, and, and, and there, there was a phase in that match where Newcastle looked like, you know, um, they, they were on top of proceedings. Uh, but then, you know, West Ham uh, turned back the clock and, and showed uh, the West Ham of last season, you know. Uh, it, it was a complete team performance, um, you know, highlighted by, by magnificent goals as well. Uh, we saw Mikhail Antonio, Thomas Suchek, uh, Said Benrama, you know. All these players are looking um, like they are, they are playing at their very best. Um, the the only sad part is that they don't they still don't have a focal point in uh, just after the absence of uh, Jesse Lingard. But having said that, you know I think they still have a lot of quality to get the goals uh, between them. Um, I'm looking at Said Benrahma as, as one of the players to watch. You know I think he's still yet to live up to his potential ever since uh, coming from Brentford. You know he's such a tricky player. He's got so much of of, of tricks in the bags and and he's got goals to go along with it. So you know um, a lot of a lot of positives to look forward to uh, for West Ham. But yeah. it's going to be a big test against them in Leicester City. After Masuaku is out for, for the Hammers, uh, for, for Leicester, Ryan Bertrand is unavailable, uh, COVID test. Uh, Timothy Castagna is fit. James Madison has recovered from a back problem. Johnny Evans, though, is still out. I mean, this is predominantly still the same Leicester side from last season. It's still Jamie Vardy-powered, isn't it, Craig? Yeah, it really is. But what a power to have. Yeah. It's interesting, you know, looking at these two sides that they had such good seasons, both of them last season and Leicester, we know, have had a good season for two or three years now. And I feel as though they've taken advantage of so-called bigger clubs falling off the pace. You know, as the likes of Arsenal or Spurs have struggled, even Liverpool had their difficulties last season. And Leicester and West Ham are among that group of trying to break into that. And we know how difficult it is in terms of the Champions League revenue and the, the sorts of players and the sorts of expenditure that those other clubs can make. But it's, it's great for the league if, if they can. And they both have been really good to watch as well. That's, so I'm looking forward to this game a lot. And as you said, you know, Moyes, it's interesting how managers sometimes evolve over the course of their careers. Yeah. You know, they can, be, they can start out maybe a little bit more defensively minded, but football does go through tactical trends and changes. And and the really astute coaches are able to adapt to those. And I think Moyes has done that, and he proved that with his success at West Ham last season. And, and Rodgers is very similar. You know, he's had his way, his philosophy of playing the game, but he's been able to update that a little bit depending on the situation or, or how things have moved on. And so two really good managers, two really good sides. Uh, hope we'll get a good game. Probably be nil-nil, now I've said all of that, but you never know. Score prediction, cameras on <laughs> West Ham versus Leicester City. I am looking forward to this. Um, I'm going to just go with my heart, though, and say uh, Leicester 2, West Ham 1. Okay. Um, Lots of EFL round two 
matches happening this weekend. It does not involve clubs who are involved in uh, European football. So uh, there are some potential banana skins. I'll read out some of the, the Premier League involvement. Aston Villa are away at Barrow Town. Wednesday, 2.45 a.m. I know, you're going Barrow Town, I'll tell you. They play in the United Counties League Division 1. They play at home at Riverside Park. This has got banana skin written all over it, Nicholas Arnil. Yeah, it, it really depends on what uh, squad uh, Dean Speed's going to put out. Of course, the, the priority is the Premier League, you know, um, and they've made a good start so far. Um, so... I don't know. It, it, it could be a it, it could be a potential upset for Barrow. Depending on the spot that Aston Villa puts up. Huddersfield Town take on Everton Wednesday, 2.45 a.m. Huddersfield Town playing the championship. They're currently 10th camp. But you know Rafa Benitez and Everton. If you know Rafa, he 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 likes winning things. He's gonna think with this squad of Everton players, something like the Carabao Cup would be ideal to go full in for. Well, wasn't the, the Carabao, whatever it was called back in the day, part of the Scouse treble? Um, Craig will be able to <laughs> remind us. Uh, that and the, the milk cup and who, oh, God knows. But the, cup, um, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but the But um, what I'm looking forward to is the pitches. I want to know what, I want to see what Barrow pitch looks like when they uh, invite Spurs in, they're gonna they're gonna dig holes in there. It'll be there'll be a sinkhole, a Aston trench Villa, down the mean, middle. Yeah. Is it Aston Villa? And yeah. it'll be full of mud. And and so I'm just looking forward to seeing what the pitches are. Now Bob Holmes on our Friday show is a big Nottingham Forest fan. He's not happy right now. Forest are rock bottom of the Championship. Played four, lost four. They entertain Wolves at the City Ground Wednesday at three a.m. Wolves themselves, Craig, looking for a win. And I mean, things like this, it, it could actually kickstart the season. Yeah, for either. I, I was trying to think of how it could be worse than being an Arsenal fan. And then I remembered Bob and Forrest. So it's, <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh. <laughs> it's, but that's the, that's the beauty and the heartache of this game, isn't yeah. it? And, and it, it also shows you, you know, how football changes. I mean, it's... Of course, it's a long time ago in the glory of the likes of Forest, but big, big clubs can, can find themselves in, in all sorts of trouble over the years. And, and Forest, there's maybe been a few false dawns where we felt as though they were getting back to, to something like their old selves and pushing for promotion and, and all of that stuff. But things look quite difficult now. And, and as you see, these, these cup games are, are really interesting from that point of view of how seriously our, our side's going to take them and, and which will one or the other you know, really decide that it's, it's worth the effort. And but it can, even at this early stage, you know, we're talking about kickstarting a season where, yeah. where clubs have got off to a really bad start and maybe Wolves even a little bit more. Um, not that they've got off to a, a terrible start, but a new manager coming in wants to get the fans on side, wants to give them something to look forward to and be hopeful about. And you know, he's got some good players, but I look at the likes of Triori, right? And he's, he's so raw, you know, he's, like the physicality of him. And I, I wonder, is he a raw diamond or is he just raw? <laughs> and we, we, we've seen those instances in the, the first two weekends where he's been clean through on goal one-on-one -on -one and the goalkeepers have made good saves actually but those are chances that you have to score at that yeah. level and yeah. maybe maybe against Forest he'll get two or three of those chances and, and get a goal but that's that's the sort of confidence I think you can look to for, for sides like that if you're, you're playing against lower level opposition 
you want those players, you know, feeling good about themselves, getting on the score sheet, and that'll be on the, the minds of those Wolves players and the management. Yeah, Adama Traore really needs to go to finishing school. Um, um, Leeds United against Crew <laughs> Alexandra. Uh, it's Wednesday, 2.45am. Crew are 22nd in League One, only 24 teams in League One. Four matches played, winless at the moment. This is where Leeds fill their boots at Ellen Road, Nicholas Arnold. Yeah, but uh, Marcelo Bielsa has, has never been big on, on, on cup matches. Um, I don't know if, if you know, there's going to be heavy importance uh, this season. I think it's going to be a much changed lineup. Um, and again, you know, uh, it really depends on, on, this, on, the, on the squad that the Leeds uh, put out. They should have enough quality to beat crew, uh, nonetheless. Uh, but then again, you never know. Uh, Leeds have, have uh, you know, been ousted in first round in cup matches quite a few times over the last few seasons. So, you know, I, I'm just hoping that they get through this one. All right, something interesting, Ties. Brentford, who are now a Premier League team, take on Forest Green Rovers. Uh, they play in EFL League Two. Cardiff City versus Brighton. Cardiff are sixth in the championship. Watford against Crystal Palace, all Premier League tie. Newcastle against Burnley, also all Premier League tie. Newport County versus Southampton. Could be quite interesting. Uh, Newport are, are League Two. And being a lifelong supporter of New Newport County Cameras Line, <laughs> I, I'm sure <laughs> I'm sure you, you're looking right. to them to to win this one. Um, Newport is that is that in Wales? Are they in Wales? Yeah, they are um, in South Wales. Yes. All right, I got it. Yeah, my mother my mother was born very close to there actually. Um, the uh, yeah, I I don't care about the League Cup. I I want to I want to scrap it. I, I say this every year, and and they I know they listen to this show <laughs> and. and the momentum is building, and eventually, I think we're going to succeed. I'd scrap this damn cup because it's just a waste of time and energy for players who are playing far too much football as it is. You try telling Newport County that. Uh, <laughs> West Brom against Arsenal. Uh, it's the only other Premier League team involved in the EFL Cup round two. Of course, there is the second leg of the Europa Conference League which uh, Tottenham are involved in. Uh, quick word about this one. Tottenham nil, uh, Pacos de Ferreira of Portugal won. Nicolas Arnel, do you see Spurs turning this one around and, 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 and progressing? Yeah, um, I, I'm not sure how, how, how much of an important uh, they're going to pay to this, uh, uh, this new competition. Uh, but, you know, Spurs have enough quality. If you look at the great start they've made so far, um, and um, yeah, I the, the only big question that remains is whether Harry Kane will play. I think if he doesn't play, there's almost uh, all we, we, are, we can be almost certain that he won't be around uh, come September. Uh, but um, it, it's supposed to definitely have all the firepower to get through this one. Yeah, just a little over a week now before the transfer window shuts. Uh, very interesting. Uh, that's your football that you can expect this midweek. I've got to say thanks to the guys. So thank you, Craig Wilkie. Thank you very much. Always a pleasure. Uh, thank you, Nicholas Arnil. Yes, Ross. And thanks, Cam Raslan. Thanks, uh, Ross Yusuf. <laughs> You're most welcome. Have a great week, everybody. Bye now. And that is a super finish. And boy, they're welcome back. They are very welcome back. Off the ball every Monday at 8 p.m. on BFM 89.9. Thank you for listening to this podcast. 
To find more great interviews, go to bfm.my or find us on iTunes. BFM 89.9, The Business Station.